You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handle them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hi, if you're liking other people's pockets, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and tell a friend about it. It really helps our show. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good I, one. You know, I've never. For very good patience. <laughs> been in my doctor's bedroom. Have you ever met someone on the day that you filmed and smoked in their bedroom? A few weeks ago, I had the cockamamie idea to fly to Shreveport, Louisiana, where I used to be a crime reporter. I wanted to visit a weed doctor, get a medical marijuana prescription, and then smoke weed and interview this doctor while high. Oh, and by the way, I don't smoke weed, so this is why I thought this would be hilarious. And that is exactly what I did in the interview you're about to hear. Jaya McSharma is a medical doctor and the co-owner of Canna Care of Louisiana, a medical marijuana dispensary in Bossier City, Louisiana, which is just across the river from Shreveport. In the interview, you'll hear me refer to Shreveport Bossier, which is kind of like how people just say the Twin Cities when they're talking about Minneapolis and St. Paul. Jaya is also an actress and filmmaker and has some wild stories about getting Bernie Madoff out of basically her entire life savings. And by the way, after this interview, Jaya gifted me an amazing Barbie swimsuit, let me swim in her pool, gave me dinner, and she and her husband took care of me as I came down from being super stoned and paranoid. And I had just met these people. I'm Maya Lau, and this is Other People's Pockets, the show where I ask people how much they make and how their finances work so that the questions we all have about money can be a little bit less of a mystery.
So just to set the scene, we're here at your house in Shreveport, Louisiana. Yes. We're in your bedroom. We are. We're both wearing your robes. We are, yes. And we're next to your vanity. Yes. Where there's a bunch of wigs and a witch hat hanging up and lots of headbands. That and is, yes. Half an hour ago, is it fair to say you gave me a medical marijuana card? You were seen and evaluated for medical marijuana and were approved. By you. By me, the weed doctor. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yes. Okay. Who are you? Who am I? Dr. Jaya McSharma, an Indian American girl born to immigrant Indian parents in central Louisiana and went to med school because daddy said to. Where'd you go to med school? LSU, mm-hmm. Shreveport. Right and here. yeah, because yeah. their med school's here in Shreveport. Yes. So that's why you. That's why I moved to Shreveport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the way back in 2002. Anyway, just spent the better part of my life thus far uh, really trying to reconcile the fact that I saw myself as an English major, a writer, an actress, a creative person who wants to be on television and movies. Uh, So I guess like an on-camera personality. Mm -hmm. Had to reconcile that with like, because when you're in medicine, you are in it. The only Mm -hmm. way you can survive is to like sell your soul and like be sucked clear of your life energy. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, <laughs> this was an ad for, that, like, for med school. People should go into medicine. Yeah. And if you don't have a soul already, you'll do even better. But anyway, for a long time, I wouldn't even let people call me doctor because I was just like, no, I'm not a doctor. I'm an artist. But now mm. I feel like I'm really stepping to a phase of my life where the two have come together beautifully. Mm. And like for the first time, I don't feel like I'm compartmentalizing who I am for different audiences. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm just me all the time now. But that is so recent. That's like within the past year. And I'm 42. So all of my 30s was like, overwrought with tension. But, you know, that's how you grow. So you were, like, pressured into medical school by Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I was very unoriginal story, but uh, pressured into medicine because I'm Indian. So, like, we're all, quote-unquote, IT people, mechanical engineers, business owners, or doctors. That's but your sister, you said, is the editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue? My younger sister. Oh, who, so she who gets I a blazed pass. the trail for. Oh, got it. But, I mean, she also paved her own way, that whole thing. But... Older child mm. does it all for the younger child. She'll right. probably never listen to this. So, yeah, I did it all. Everything Versha Sharma has done or accomplished is owed to me, Jaya McSharma. Okay. Your last name is very unusual. Yes. Tell me more. So, I grew up Jaya Sharma, which is funny that I say it that way because it's actually Sharma. Mm. So, if you listen to any Indian person yeah. from India, they'll say Sharma. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I listened to how American people said it more than... Uh-huh. My parents, and I changed it to Sharma. Anyway, then I met my husband, Jacob, and um, really wanted to have a unified last name, but very attached to my last name. And his last name was Mick Gary, M-C-G-A-R-R-Y. And that does not belong to the father who raised him. So he mm. was less attached. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's his bio dad. Uh, my friend Julia was inebriated in a bar in New Jersey after <laughs> attending the Monkeys convention, as in, hey, hey, we're the Monkeys. And um, she's like, you should just combine it and become the mixed Sharmas. We're like, that's ridiculous. What? Amazing. Wait. Yes. And then we looked it up. There are no other <gasps> mixed Sharmas in the world. There's a DJ named MC Sharma, mm, but there's same. no mixed Sharma. Like we created yeah. a new last so name. So you both took that name. Yeah. And, and your I, son has that name? He does. Yeah. Arjun McSharma. Yep. What was growing up in Alexandria, Louisiana like? Yeah, it was. It's not completely podunk, but like the satellites of Alexandria are the podunk. So we're like one step away. And I say podunk with no emotional connotation behind (laughs) it. I'm proud. I I like podunk. They make the best crawfish. 
it was just a weird juxtaposition because a lot of Indian immigrants ended up in New Jersey because that's where the jobs were. And that is where my dad started out. But the there was a mechanical valve industry that offered him a job. And that's how he ended up from New Jersey to an even smaller town than Alexandria, Tioga. Oh, Oh, you know, it was just, there was a lot of contradictions. You know, I was being raised by Indian immigrant parents mm-hmm. who were very strict, very mm-hmm. traditional, very proud of the culture. Then I was in Montessori, which was great, but then I went to a Catholic school, which was very confusing for me religious-wise because mm-hmm. I was, like, super into midnight mass and Christmas and uh, had a crush on my priest. And what, what religion Weird. did you... Uh, oh, I was raised Hindu. Okay. I am Hindu. Mm-hmm. But then I'm in a Catholic school because my mom teaches there. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just weird because they would tell me one thing was right and someone, mm-hmm. another parent would say it was wrong or mm-hmm. vice versa. I didn't really get to go to slumber parties. or. But it was great in a lot of ways, too, because there's a huge Indian community in Alexandria. And they really honestly made their village inside of that mm-hmm. city. And we were constantly surrounded by aunties and uncles and cousins. And I have so many good memories, too. Okay, so you grow up wanting to do writing and being on camera. You get pressured by your parents to go to med school. Mm -hmm. Then how do you end up becoming a weed doctor? (laughs) My dad had the same question. And and, what what is a weed doctor? What is weed doctor? Because Louisiana is a place where cannabis is not legal. So it's legal for medical marijuana patients. It's medically legal, not recreationally. Okay. Yeah. So I went to med school. I went to family medicine. I did a residency in family medicine from 2006 to 2009. And then I was just over the next 12 years or so. And then basically I did 12 years of hospital medicine. Mm. And that includes COVID. And that was a very dark time. I hit rock bottom and then I hit whatever's under rock bottom. So in December of 21, I left inpatient medicine. And you had a little baby. Yes. Because we have kids the same age. So So we basically... We have the same life now. We have the same life. We're the same person. This is actually just me talking to myself (laughs) right now. But yeah, I I came off maternity leave into covid where your job is to yeah. go be around a right. potentially d- deadly disease that you could give to the new love of your life. Right. It was unreal. And Louisiana wasn't exactly mask central. No, at the beginning, everybody was helpful. And then I became an outspoken COVID person in our community, which is how I, you know, whatever followers I have on Instagram and Facebook are really from that time. Oh, wow. Because I received a lot of hate, but I also received a lot of messages like, you're the only one that I feel like is telling the truth. And if, if you will please continue to update us on what's going on, mm-hmm. we'll listen to you. So yeah. it was an honor for me to do that. But also I was just spent all of that time becoming angry, bitter, not a great person. Yeah. Didn't take great care of myself. Just constantly self-medicating, alcohol, food, you know, just awful. But of course, also taking care of a growing toddler mm-hmm. or growing baby. Uh, anyway, I left hospital medicine um, in December of 21 and just kind of hopped around until my friends who owned a clinic, I became their medical director. And then we opened up another clinic together, which is a weight management clinic. And then they were like, you know, we always wanted to open up a medical marijuana health center. Like, would you be interested in that? And I was like, what? Yes, <laughs> I would be. And then somehow, so Canacare of LA opened in August of 22. So not even a year ago. Uh-huh. 
And um, basically, I figured out that I really, really, really want to be a weed doctor if I'm going to be a doctor at all. I like the fight of being a weed doctor because yeah. I like the activism. I like the community involvement. I like erasing the stigma or fighting the stigma. I'm just kind of built for that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think weed is great. And it's just hilarious because as soon as we opened, my dad was like, what? <laughs> I think I posted a TikTok or something, whatever the kids do nowadays, of me saying like, you know, daddy pressures me going to med school 20 years later. I'm a weed doctor. Yeah. Like he didn't see that coming. Yeah. Um, it was pretty funny, but you know. <laughs> Um, That's what I do now. So do you, like, think weed should be legal here and this is kind of your way of yeah, dispersing I mean, it? I do think it should be legal. I mean, there's a little of a double entendre. I don't know actually how to actually say that in English. Of me calling myself the Wee, O-U-I, doctor. Mm. <clears throat> One reason is because if you spell weed out on social media, you get flagged. So we started calling it weed, O-U-I-D. Mm. And then I was like... Oh, also, it's like the wee doctor, just say yes to yourself. Right. And also, it's the wee doctor, I haven't said no yet. But that's not something that you probably <laughs> want to publicize. But like, in general, we don't say no to <laughs> we, anyone. We don't say no to anybody, or we haven't yet. So. Case in point, <laughs> me today. Yeah, she just showed up, was like, I'm from California. And I was like, what's your name? <laughs> Let's do this. Do you need a robe? You look cold. Um, how much money do you make doing this? So... The upside about being the weed doctor, the weed or a weed doctor is that you set the price. There's no insurance involved because it's not oh. federally legal. So it's all out of pocket. It's all out of pocket for the patient, unfortunately, but it makes it really easy on the business end because mm. I'm not filing insurance. I'm not getting prior authorizations or sharing the profits with anyone. Now, we did not own the clinic until like two weeks ago. Oh, congrats. Thank you. But essentially what the setup was at the beginning was that I would take home 50% of every consult that I did. Mm -hmm. And consults are anywhere from $150 to $199. Mm -hmm. And they would take the other half to pay for the staff, the building, you know, yada, yada, the overhead. Um, they quickly figured out that that was not sustainable because it's really hard to advertise. So it just depends on how many uh, – we were anemic those first couple of months, two patients a day, three patients mm. a day, that's a $600 day. Yeah. It's not, it wasn't even paying. Yeah. You know, I don't think we even started making money until two months ago. Mm -hmm. But it has a potential to be incredibly lucrative mm. as we grow through word of mouth. Because I'm not dealing with insurance, we can basically say, okay, this is our, our overhead is $5,000 a month. What do we need to hit this month to mm -hmm. be able to go to Disney World or mm -hmm. to not be in debt for the rest of our lives? It's like, okay, it's 200 patients. We have so much more control over mm -hmm. that. Like if we'll go out to, into the community and do a pop-up at a local business, mm -hmm. we usually see tons of people that mm -hmm. day. But then another day it'll be one. Yeah. <laughs> you I mean, know, do you so, have any sense of like what you might make by the end of this year? Yeah, I'm hoping that we, because starting in August, we'll hit a year. So people will hopefully mm -hmm. be coming back to us for their one year like renewal. One year, renewal, mm -hmm. renewal, that's it. So right now our overhead's about 5000 a month. Maybe 7000 because of the deal that we struck with Arena and Dr. Gaddis, from whom we bought the company, or we bought it from Arena. So, you know, if I see 200 people in a month, and they all paid full price, potentially, mm -hmm. that could be a $40,000 month. Okay. So that's bringing in $40,000, but then minus the 5000 Five or seven, yeah. Okay. Is that right? 200 times... 200 times... 200, yeah, is 40000 Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, if I, yeah, so then, that's great. So then 
That minus your overhead is $33,000. Right. A month. Yeah. And then that's all your, like... Well, well then, yeah. And then you have to take away taxes, obviously. Yeah, but. take away taxes. Okay. And in our agreement, we are um, paying Arena a portion of the profits until we hit a cap. Like, so okay. that's how we arranged buying it from her. Um, because so we, that could be $396,000 a year. Potentially, yeah. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handled them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Are there, like, people, enough people in Shreveport Bossier that are coming in and can pay out of pocket? And, like, that, are you can Well, that's the that? thing. Yeah. Like, so part of the problem is companies from out of town who just set up shop here mm. and do everything on a Groupon on telehealth. Mm-hmm. So you could potentially pay $70 to $90 mm-hmm. for what I'm charging $200 yeah. for. So that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that we can get to $200 a month because I feel like what we have— is so unique. And I feel like there's enough people who will care about what we have to offer mm-hmm. that we really can reach that. Mm-hmm. I mean, 200 patients a month is not crazy mm-hmm. to be able to get. I mean, okay, we've hit yeah. 100 or 120 a couple times. Right. So I, I think we can do it. Do you think that cannabis will ever become legal here? And oh, if yeah. so, will that put you out of business or will that, how will that affect you? Well, I fully expect it to be legal everywhere. I don't know when. It could be three to five years for recreational in Louisiana. But yes, at that point, somewhat of what we do is would be considered obsolete. And so in other states where they've gone from medical to recreational, the businesses who have been able to adapt what they offer have been obviously the most successful. So that's what I mean when I'm trying to distinguish ourselves from the healing clinics or from, um, you know, these Groupon guys. 
Okay, yes, but a lot of these people have never tried weed ever. They would never have considered it except they tried some over-the-counter product, which I do not recommend from a gas station, but they had a good experience. Or what I hear all the time is that my family member went to Colorado and brought me back something that would help me sleep. And would you believe it? That was the best night's sleep I've had in, in years. Um, but I think what the service that we provide is going to be more of like medical bud tending. Because mm-hmm. when you go to the pharmacy right now, the pharmacists are overwhelmed. They don't really have a lot of time to counsel you on what to take, mm-hmm. how to take it, and when. Mm-hmm. And what I really want to provide is an education, counseling, and follow-up for patients, all included in the services that we do, so that, yeah, if it becomes recreational tomorrow, we've already built mm-hmm. a base of trust with our patients that, like, right. I'll always be safe as long as I'm doing it with mm-hmm. Dr. Jaya. Mm-hmm. So that's where I intend the business to be, and that's what I think could actually be useful about it. I've got a guy right now who basically is the caretaker of his wife who is dying from pancreatic cancer in her 40s, which is incredibly sad. But what I like is that he has my cell phone. So when he's like, the gummies that the pharmacy gave us are too strong and I don't know what to do because now she's just sleeping all the time. I can say, go back, get this gummy, try it this way. And it take, of course, it takes a little bit more effort, but that's the whole point is that I want that woman to be able to have the support that she needs and the other clinics who do medical marijuana evaluations do not offer that. So I just want, that's why I don't think we need more than 200 patients a month because mm-hmm. we want to be able to like be their companion on this journey. And then once they've learned it all, we can set them free. Does the rest of the Shreveport Bossier medical community, how do they view you? Yeah, well, I think the <laughs> same as always. Um, I, they, many have not been fans for some time. I was outspoken about Black Lives Matter, about COVID, about vaccine, about masks. So I think the people who were never going to be on board with me probably don't approve of medical marijuana either. You old fogies, stuffed shirts, conservatives. Um, but that the people who realize and appreciate the things that I'm about, I think are not surprised. Even the doctors who agree with me are scared to say it out loud. And some of that is legitimate. There's two big hospital, three big hospital systems in town, Oshner, Christus, and Willis-Knighton. And from what I've heard is if you say that you approve of medical marijuana at some of those facilities, you can be fired just for like saying that you agree with it. Oh. Like you can't work at Christus and say you agree with medical marijuana because it doesn't fit in with their Catholic values, whatever. My biggest problem that I run into is when my patients from the weed clinic go back to their regular doctors, the judgment they're getting from their regular doctors. Mm, and and right. one even like said, I will no longer prescribe your Adderall oh. because it's a controlled substance. Mm-hmm. And you must just be a druggie who wants to do weed and Adderall. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? You've been, he's been prescribing her Adderall for years. Mm-hmm. And then can you just or no, you can't prescribe them Adderall because it has to be like through their psychiatrist or whatever. Yeah, and also whenever I'm their medical marijuana doctor, even though it's considered a controlled, because it's still considered a controlled mm-hmm. substance, for me to also write right. them other controlled right. substances would not be a good look. Okay. Um, but that's the biggest problem. And I have a lot of patients who want to get completely off their narcotics. But if they try medical marijuana, their pain doctor will fire them. And so then they're going to be in a situation where they can't get any of their regular pain medicine and it takes years to get into a pain management doctor. So that's my biggest fight Mm -hmm. is other doctors treating. I mean, I called the doctor whose patient had that Adderall problem. And I said, she has 
torn up her recommendation. She will not do medical marijuana anymore. That's how badly she needs her Adderall. And just because of who I was, the weed doctor, his staff was so rude to me. Mm. And I was like, this is just in case you didn't hear. This right. is Dr. McSharma. And like, we know who you are. I mean, like literally mean girls out of a movie. Yeah. So if they're that way to me, I can't imagine what they're like to the patients. Can you tell me what's every salary you've ever had? I think so, yeah. I am terrible with numbers, and so I'm it's not a, a matter of truthfulness. Well, you did 40 times 40. 40. <laughs> yeah, it's not I used to be a mathlete, Maya. I've fallen so far though. <laughs> Let's see. So med school, obviously nothing. Residency, I think we get paid um like forty to fifty thousand dollars a year. And I think someone did it like per hour. We were we were getting paid like one twenty five an hour. But you're getting trained, mm-hmm. but you're also still working, like technically working. And then from residency, um, I didn't do any fellowships, so I just left residency, went straight into the workforce. And then it just depends on what you're doing. So I did a couple odd jobs, like disability exams. I would get paid, I think, like seventy five dollars per patient, which was insane to me because I was like, I could make in a day what I made in two weeks as a resident. Mm-hmm. So that the jump from resident to attending is very shocking. Mm-hmm. I think everyone gets excited and does crazy things. Like I bought a house. All of a sudden you go from 40 to like 120 minimum mm-hmm. or 150, depending on your specialty. Yeah. If you're a specialist, it all depends on the number of patients you see, depending mm-hmm. on how you're getting, you know, if you're a surgeon, probably making 250 to 500,000 mm-hmm. a year. It just depends on what you do yeah. and how niche it is. And then when I joined the hospitalist group in Monroe, that was my first like real job where it wasn't just a temporary as needed thing. And then that was working 26 weeks a year, which sounded amazing at the time. And you make a base of like 225 per year. Hmm. And I was like, that was the most money I've ever heard of. I was like, what? Are you sure I can do that job? Um, So basically, that's when I started becoming a hospitalist. So like if you have your family doctor Mm -hmm. in the good old days, it used to be that Dr. Mm -hmm. Smith would come see you in the Mm -hmm. hospital if you were sick. Mm -hmm. But primary care doctors have gotten so busy that a whole new field of doctor has emerged Mm -hmm. called hospitalists. Your doctor tags me in. I take care of you until you're discharged from the hospital. And then I tag your doctor back in. Mm -hmm. So when I heard I could work half of a year, and make two twenty five. Yeah. I was like, "This is too good to be true," which it was. Oh, <laughs> I mean, not really. It's true. You can make that money, but for the first thing lesson I got to learn was it was a ten ninety nine job. And, oh, so you uh, weren't actual staff, right? It was contract employee, okay. and that's when I got to find out about taxes <laughs> and how they work. Because before then, it was never an issue. I never made enough money for it to be a problem that didn't wasn't solved by H and R Block. Mm-hmm. So ten ninety nine apparently meant my taxes weren't taken out for me, mm-hmm. which is very rude. So when I found out how much I owed that first year, I just about, do y'all cuss on this podcast? Yep. Shit a brick. But you could pick up extra shifts. Uh, oh, so you work one week on, one week off. And what I didn't anticipate, because I'd never done it before, is that when you take care of people seven days in a row mm. and you're on call and blah, 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 you're not going to any, you're not running any errands, you're not mm-hmm. taking carry for yourself by any stretch of the imagination. Two weeks of work is actually like three weeks of yeah. regular work. So th- I really wasn't getting that much time off because it always took me three days to right. recuperate and then in three days to run all my errands. So right. 
And I ended up doing the hospitalist life for 12 years. Oh, my gosh. Which was crazy because it was my least favorite part of med school. But, yeah. Okay, so that's the, the kind money of money was. that you're making before, <clears throat> like, what you're doing now? Correct. Yeah. So I was okay. making about two twenty five a year, two fifty a year. And then I went to part-time because I was just like, I can't do this anymore. This is... <laughs> Somebody said that they did a study on how... Um, hospital shifts should be run and that the way they determined one week on one week off was they had doctors work and they're on average their breaking point was day eight so they said okay we'll do seven <laughs> wait why can't you just do where you have more breaks and like weekends and i think you can if you work it out but for the most part many people like having that week off so okay. they can actually staff it with more people that way yeah. like there's a doctor here He's the king of all doctors named Dr. Ruhani. He works almost 365 days a year, but it doesn't bother him. Like, he loves it. He's just, it's just like part of his day. Yeah. So some people like it. Oh, wow. Not me. Okay. So then now it sounds like you're, you're really not sure how much money you're making. That is true. And are you <laughs> like scared about that? Well, I'll tell you why I'm not, Maya. Because I give it all to Jacob to take care of. Um, Jacob is very financially illiterate and I'm not, but I'm also not interested. So I don't know if it's a capability <laughs> thing as much of an interest thing, but he had no debt when we married and then he found out what debt is like. Um, and we've had multiple tragedies. I had my own personal tragedy with the IRS. Then we had a joint tragedy with the IRS. Wait, what are the, can you share? Oh yeah. Uh, well, my first tragedy with the IRS was, first of all, I was al already bad at saving money for tax season because I concept of saving money. So I hired my friend Julia as my assistant because she needed a job and I needed someone to help me manage my life. And she's an old and trusted friend <laughs> who's not a details person. So she <laughs> mailed my federal checks to the state, but the state cashed them. So I didn't <sighs> see any problem with, you know. Yeah. And then it took a full year for the state to be like, oh, you overpaid us by like $45,000 in these quarterly things. And even though I had proof that I had sent the money in the exact amount I owed to the federal government to the state, a copy of the canceled check, all of that, you know, the federal government didn't care. They were like, you owe us money. So I had like, they cleaned out my bank account. I had like negative $7,000 in my bank account. Had to borrow money from friends and family. It was so humiliating. It was humiliating. I was like, I cannot believe I'm a doctor. How old were you? 30. 30. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't really start making money until you're 30 if you're a doctor anyway. Yeah. I mean, thank God when I first became a doctor, I took my entire family on a trip to Disney World because I don't think I could have ever <laughs> yeah, done it again. So I was again. like, I'm going to blow it on y'all right now. <laughs> and a Saints game. Those are the two things that I uh, blew it on, which I don't regret. So that was the first tragedy. It took forever for me to like get back in good standing with the IRS. I had to do a payment plan. I had to borrow money from colleagues. It was just very embarrassing. The second time was after Jacob and I were married or were together. And a bunch of my fellow doctor colleagues had been using this accountant. Yeah. For several years. And they were all doing so well with their money. I'm like, how am I? working at the same job as this guy, doing the same amount of work, and he has paid off all his student loans, and I'm still $300,000 in debt. But I watched them for two or three years, thinking I was smart to not just go in with the guy immediately like everyone else did. Mm -hmm. And finally, we decide to meet with him. He's very charismatic, as you may imagine. 
His name was Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, Addington, A-D-D-I-N-G-T-O-N. You can look him up, a federal database. is Because he's in prison? Because <clears throat> he's in prison. And uh, we invested with him. All my life savings of what I had saved by being a doctor up to that point. Which is how much? Okay, so our total loss was 250000 I had 100000 in savings. Wow, I did. God, that sucks. Not only that, he didn't pay our federal taxes. He took the money for himself. He took the money for himself. So once again, the federal government's like, look who it is. Oh. You didn't pay your taxes again. I'm like, you're the one who found that out. A federal IRS agent called me and told me, we're investigating Brian Addington. So you guys are the one who figured it out. You know that I didn't do this on purpose. Or like, they didn't care. So how did, did you get your money back? No. What did we get back? $37? $13? I think the first, because there were multiple doctors who had invested with him. And the first doctor who actually started to suspect him, and we all thought he was being paranoid, he got his money back from what I hear. Mm. But none of us. And then my other friend, I guess I'll just call him Dr. Aaron, spent thousands with a lawyer trying to get his money back and never did. So we just didn't even bother. Mm. It was like, we don't have the money to pay for a lawyer to get our money back that was stolen. It was very life-changing because we literally bought this house and barely decided that we could afford it. And then we found this out two <gasps> months later. <laughs> it was like the worst time. I don't think Jacob smiled for six months and probably still wants to puke at the thought of this. Yeah. So, and then it, it's also embarrassing because yeah. it's like I'm hiding this stuff from my parents who have bailed me out before oh. with credit card debt in med school. So yeah, it's just it's a series of unfortunate events, most of them being my fault in some way. But it is so embarrassing because doctors were not stupid. But I, I also found out that doctors are the most highly targeted by— Because you're so busy. We're busy, and, and no one teaches us— No one teaches us, you about money. Nobody teaches us about money. We're the best— and you, But you have money. We're the best targets. So that's, yeah, right. So that's that. apparently it made me feel and a bit he, better. And he specifically targeted doctors. Yes. Ironically, his daughter, I believe, just graduated med school— and I'm like, yeah, that was my uh, that was my money you went to med school with, honey. <laughs> Enjoy. <whoa. laughs> you know? Do you ever think about where you would be if you still had that money? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry to bring yeah, up no, no. Uh, really Actually, depressing. <laughs> no, no, no. I think that we'd probably be in a very similar position uh-huh. just given my spending habits. And <laughs> I'm just allergic to keeping money, I think. I don't know. That's a good idea because, I mean, a good question because one thing I did learn that I felt like I learned from that was like, look, money is the reason you went into medicine because your parents were like, it's financially stable. Mm-hmm. You'll always have a job. Mm-hmm. It's respectable. So money was the reason I was in medicine. Mm-hmm. And in a blink, everything I'd ever saved yeah. by being a doctor for a decade right. was gone. Right. So I actually thought it was a really great lesson. Like, you like, can't see, take it with you. Yeah. And you did all that for what? It's right. all gone now. Yeah. So I kind of liked that lesson because yeah. it's like, well, then what am I doing? Yeah. I, I need to enjoy myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, and don't get Bernie Madoff no. by, by Brian Addington. By Brian Addington. Bernie Madoff, he's gone, right? Like he, on the earth. I think he died. Yeah. But Bri- yeah, don't get Brian Addington. No. No. Don't Wait, what ever- was the, mi- like, what, what would have been the thing that could have tipped you, like, is there, like, oh, everybody yes. should check out to make sure their financial advisor yes. has a building, okay. and they should have a re- reference, they should have worked with someone you know for more than 10 years, 
we are working with a financial advisor now who's amazing named Jerry Laurie. Like I know Jerry Laurie is legit because he's worked in this city for 30 years. There's no shady moving around <laughs> business. <laughs> so basically, you need old white guys. <laughs> they really know what they're talking about. Wow. <laughs> is that not appropriate? Wait, no, it's part? great. The old, the white, or the guy? The white. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the whole thing. No, because the people the age that you need, they were not allowed to be financial people. At that time, that's why you need, like, a 60-year-old white guy. Okay. I'm interested to hear more about how you manage your budget with your husband, because it sounds like you're newly seeing this person, and they're telling you, what are all their secrets, and what are all the things that they're telling you to do that we can learn from? Okay. I'll start by saying good financial advisor is a good marriage therapist, because it's Mm. so closely tied. How so? The way— this guy does it is he like compares it to roles in his own marriage. He's very like, you know, money is still the number one thing that couples fight about still. And so he, he honestly feels like a financial therapist. He asks you what your goals are. And then he learns so much about you by going through your finances. So he understands that I'm an impulse buyer who's been through a lot of shit, who finds retail therapy, very uplifting. But then like the, the next month after he goes through all the things I spent money on, he's like, you just need to get off of social media. <laughs> so that's the first thing is that he he gets to know your personality. So he will not suggest something you aren't going to right, do. Right. And then he gives us both a, he makes sure it's okay with us and that we agree to the terms, but we have a personal allowance, one for Jacob, one for me. Um, and we both agree to that. And Is it the same amount? That's up to us. Yeah. So when we started, Jacob had a couple hundred more dollars because he takes care of all the grocery buying but otherwise, your allowance is for your gas money, you know, coffee, Starbucks money, and anything else that you want to buy. Mm-hmm. So that was incredibly helpful because we can't even see what we're each other is spending their allowance on. You know, all I see when yeah. I look in my Chase account is the family checking account and mine. Um, that forces you to communicate with your partner about any purchases that are too large. And then what else did Jerry do for us? We looked at all of our debt, how to consolidate debt what our long-term goals are. We both agreed, you know, we want to have an amazing business, travel, and have all of Ari's needs and wants taken care of. I mean, it's pretty standard. But he also understands that we want to be filmmakers, and at some point that we will need money for that. So he tries to plan for the life you truly want to create and live. And he's just so authentic and transparent. And, you know, obviously I've been hoodwinked before, but... He has his own building. (laughs) He has his own brick and mortar building. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handled them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. 
the most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What's your net worth? It is negative a hundred something thousand. And we we bought this house for four sixty nine, but then we apparently used our equity to finance the consolidation of all our other debt, which is a good thing. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Do you have any savings or like short term? Like how do you pay for things now when you really you know oh, like, like a bigger a little bigger purchase or or whatever so every paycheck whatever is in our personal allowance you can spend no um, explanations like mm-hmm. anything but if it's a, something that is greater than your allowance or it has to come out of the family account then you have to discuss it with your partner is mm. the rule that i will start following again we have gotten away from it a little bit um what do you like to spend on oh my god i well, you know, what do people do? They call it drunk shopping, buzz shopping. Mm. It just like lights up all the dopamine. And I know. Like at night? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The inst- I mean, I don't think I even go on social media anymore to see what my friends are up to. The ads are just so deliciously targeted mm-hmm. that I just makeup, jewelry, skincare, clothes, shoes. But it's very materialistic. It's like just how can I be Carrie Bradshaw is what I'm shopping mm-hmm. for. What was the last thing that you bought that was a little like? Uh, I shouldn't buy these, but these are fabulous. It's so hard. That's like a daily thing. (laughs) The last thing that I bought. Oh, okay. I know what it is. The last thing that I bought that I probably shouldn't have. There's this uh, online purse maker named Saturday House or Sonique Saturday. And she has this line of uh, fake Birkins that have slogans on it. And it says like, you fake like this Birkin, you know, or girl, you've been a fan. Just real sassy Mm -hmm. fake Mm -hmm. designer bags. But they're still expensive. So riddle me that. How so, much? Wait, um, how much did you spend? Five fifteen, but broken up into afterpay, which is also <laughs> something I'm not supposed to do anymore. It was wait, only does afterpay charge you interest? Mm-mm. And they make it look so, you know, five fifty. That's ridiculous. Or you could just do four payments of one ten. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever has to know. <laughs> wait, I actually would be really sad if I didn't ask you about okay. the fact that you're an actor. Yes, you make films. Yes. How much of that is part of your financial life, financial future? Like, are you moving in in that direction? Oh, well, I would love to get paid for it. (laughs) That hasn't happened yet. In terms of our financial life, we know that if we're going to make a short every year, like we've done for the past five or six years, that 
we're going to need to set aside three to 5,000 to make a, a decent short film. Mm-hmm. During COVID, we did it for $400 because it was literally my parents' living room with like a, ca- a crew of two people for safety reasons. But a good short film costs anywhere from two to $4,000, you know. But we've been lucky the last two times we've made short films, we've had a founder circle grant from the Losing a Film Prize. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where they reimburse you for $3,000 worth of expenses if you make another short film. So the last two times we've been lucky to have like a $3,000 grant to make it. Otherwise, you have to like get crowdfunding. And we're my husband and several of the filmmakers uh, in town are going to start a studio. That's the plan, 318 Studio. And so they have to put together their plan. We have almost five feature film scripts ready to go. Four, except for mine, which is not ready to go. Uh, get investors, make the movies, make props. So, you know, right? An independent film, you don't go into it for the money, obviously. But it's so fun. That's like some of my favorite times. Because I just get to tell my stories. What are and your then, stories? I mean, it's mostly like um, about a lot of things that we've talked about, about growing up, having the resistance and tension of two cultures and two different paths in life and how you reconcile all those. But Basically, Mindy Kaling, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Issa Rae, and Tracy Ellis Ross. I I feel like I have a very similar voice to all of them in terms of comedic timing and what I think is funny. Mm -hmm. And I always think about it as funny storytelling with heart. And with every movie, we get better. And I think our latest one is hopefully going to be really cool. So it's just so gratifying. Mm -hmm. It's like I grew up wanting to be an actress, filmmaker, and writer. And it doesn't look like what I thought it would. But at the end of the day, I am an actress, filmmaker, and writer. That's crazy. And doctor. And uh, oh yeah. Just like by the way. <laughs> by the way, that's what pays the bills, but for now. Whose personal finances do you want to know the truth about? Oh, there's a uh, there's a plastic surgeon here who has literally a house on this in this subdivision that looks like the haunted mansion. I think it has like 22 rooms. There's always like a Ferrari in storage. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, "Okay, how much money are you making? Where is it going? What are you doing?" And then, of course, Brian Addington. I want to know where the frick <laughs> my money, money went. I want to know where my money Follow went. Follow the money. I know I'm never getting it back. Just tell me, what did you use it for? Jaya, this has been brave. I am so high. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Worth it. Thanks for listening to Other People's Pockets. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and tell a friend. Word of mouth and reviews really, really help out the show. Other People's Pockets is written and hosted by me, Maya Lau. It's produced by me along with Joy Sanford and Dan Gallucci. Production help from Angela Vang. Our executive producers are me along with Jane Marie and Dan Gallucci. A special thanks to Medical Marijuana. Other People's Pockets is a co-production of Pushkin Industries and Little Everywhere. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love this show, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus, offering bonus content and ad-free listening across our network for $4.99 a month. Look for the Pushkin Plus channel on Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. You can sign up for Pushkin newsletters at pushkin.fm. Find me on Twitter at Maya Lau or on Instagram and TikTok at It's Maya Money. And one more thing, OPP listeners, we would love to hear your voices. 
What's one thing you didn't know financially about your partner or a family member or a close friend? And once you found out, it really surprised you. Leave us a voicemail at 323-540-4255. That's 323-540-4255. Or record a voice memo and send it to otherpeoplespockets at gmail.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.